0: I've preached from this several times, but I don't think you can talk about Thanksgiving without dealing with this. And, and there's four issues we're going to deal with this month and thanking your way out of it today. We're going to talk about something that impacts a ton of people. I'm not a psychologist. I don't want to be a psychologist. Um, but the Bible has prescriptions for th- certain things in our lives. And, um uh, And whenever we find ourselves in a circumstance, I believe it's important to go to scripture and figure out what God says about it. Amen? So, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Look at your neighbor and say, Anything. Don't do it. Don't do it. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with for the whole butterball turkey worth of thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus Father we thank you so much this morning God you've been good to us our circumstances Lord are not the only indication of your goodness. Your faithfulness is an indication of our goodness in the midst of our circumstance. Pray that you'd help us see that this morning. Lord, as we come to you at Thanksgiving, Lord, we pray we'd leave anxiety right where it sits today. Thank you for this opportunity. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. He's at the, towards the end of his life in this letter, he said it, it was like he was being poured out like a drink offering. It's a, it's a throwback to the Old Testament and sacrifices and Paul saying, I'm, I'm at the end and I'm being, I'm being poured out. It's, it's starting to wrap up. He was more than likely in prison. He talked about not being ashamed Uh, of the chains he was in. He was telling the church that he was writing to, don't be ashamed of my circumstance. But I've been able to contextualize my circumstance and realize that this circumstance is actually advancing the gospel to all the prison guard. And so Paul was able to do something that I envy. And it seems like later he got better as his life went on. He was able to contextualize his circumstances. And And I think we can save ourselves a lot of, heartache if we can if we can contextualize our circumstance according to God's will in our life. And so Paul was able to do that uh, really well at the end, uh, towards the end of his life. Experience had given him that. Uh, his uh, his his relationship with Christ had given him that ability. And so he he could have something happen and he could say, hey, this is what it was about. Now all of you know hindsight is 2020. So, Paul's able to look at what had happened and what is happening, put what is happening in the, current, in, in the right context. That is important for your life. Amen? The right context of why and what is happening is an important thing for us. So, he's writing to a church. So, even though he's in a dire circumstance, he's writing to a church that has their own problems. Been, they had been suffering persecution, they had, been, uh, had false teachers come into their midst. And actually in the letter he's talking about some some conflicts within the church. And I don't mean conflicts like, hey, I think we should do it this way and you think you should do it this way, and we're gonna we're gonna argue till we figure out the way we're gonna do it. Like like real nasty conflict, and he's imploring them to get it figured out. So in Philippians, towards the end of Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, he's starting to make these exhortations to the church. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's saying, be rejoiceful. Now, now there was nothing about Paul's circumstance that would cause him to be rejoicing. I'm in chains and I'm happy about it. Paul wasn't a masochist no more than you and I are. He didn't like pain. He didn't want pain. He, he wasn't inviting it into his life. He, but in the context of where he found himself... He could rejoice because the rejoice was not based on his circumstance, but it was rejoice in the Lord. So he tells the church, rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to say it again because you're thick-headed. No, that's not what he was saying. I'm going to repeat it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So he's saying, no matter what circumstance you're in, you should have atti- your attitude should be one of rejoicing because it's not, you're not rejoicing in your circumstance. You're rejoicing that the Lord is in your circumstance. The Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. The Lord is, is, is answering, is hearing. So I can rejoice in the Lord no matter what's happening. So in light of that, a believer should be one of the most rejoiceful people on the planet. Amen? Amen. Why don't you come to church with me? You probably won't like it. But I mean, they got donuts if you help out. (laughs) Then he says, be gentle to all. We're going to walk down through this scripture and we're going to teach and then I'll start preaching later maybe. But first service, that didn't work so well. I just ended up preaching all the way through it. Be gentle to all. Now, this isn't a little puppy gentle. This is like, oh, what a little puppy. This is not that type of gentle. Word, that word, that they use for gentle there means actually mean yielding. Like it's an image of yielding your will. So he's saying, he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always, and then, and then don't demand your way, because the Lord is near. Now, knee-jerk is that I say, well, God's close to us. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the same thing James was talking about when he said the Lord is near. The Lord is coming soon. So Paul is writing to the Philippians. He said, "In, in light of what you're walking through right now, rejoice in the Lord. Don't put your focus on yourself. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then be willing to bend your will to all everybody around you. Don't demand your way. This is going to become important later. Don't demand your way because the Lord is coming. So he's saying, you don't have to get your way. The Lord's coming. He'll take care of it. Amen? So I'm going to get that guy back. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. (laughs) The Lord is coming. So you don't have to impose your will on everyone around you. Be gentle. Rejoice in the Lord. Be gentle with those around you. The Lord is near. Then he makes this statement. Do not be anxious about... Can you put that up real quick? Do not be anxious about... What is it? You know what would have been really nice if he had put in parentheses, here's the thing you're allowed to be anxious about. It would have been great. If you ran out of money, surely you can be anxious about that. If your marriage is on the rocks, surely you can be anxious about that. If If your kids are flipping out, surely you can be anxious about that. But Paul goes and writes and he says, don't be anxious about. That's so irritating. It would be different if Paul was some slick-haired, suit-wearing preacher that looked like his life was perfect, but Paul's writing this while he's in chains. It's harder to argue with somebody who's walking through something that is worse than your circumstance, and yet they're telling you not to be anxious. You're being persecuted, but I'm locked up. I'm, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. I'm coming to the end of my life, so don't be anxious about now, uh, here, here's what I'm, here's what I, the problem I have with this is that sometimes anxiety doesn't seem like I have a choice. Can I just be real with somebody? What happens is this. You, you know what it feels like, don't you? It's that, it's that weight on your chest. It's that pressure. Your heart starts racing a little bit. You feel a little bit sick, nauseous And it feels like your stomach's coming up in your throat I'm not talking about a roller coaster You're not on a roller coaster, you're sitting still But the same thing is happening And it just the pressure and the weight and the, and, the, and the pulse And all this stuff is happening And I didn't ask it to Because it'll happen at 2 o'clock in the morning I'll just wake up and I'm just like mm. And I'm like, God, I'm not even thinking about that We're like, I wasn't thinking I should be anxious right now it was not a choice I made. It was just a boot. It was like, ah. Anybody ever experienced that? What I, what I find help helps if you just punch somebody, it goes away. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So we have this, we have this issue where, where Paul says, don't be anxious about anything as if it's a choice you have. And our experience tells us that sometimes it doesn't feel like a choice. Anybody in the room with me? Sometimes you just wake up anxious. Sometimes something happens, and before you even think about the ramifications of it, anxiety comes on you. Is that true? I'm just talking from my experience. And it's like, well, Lord, it seems like Paul's indicating don't be anxious like I have a choice not to be anxious. And, and, and what, what I find sometimes is I find myself anxious, even though I didn't even think about being anxious. Something happened, and now I got this feeling in me that I, all I can equate with is, is anxiety. It's just building up, building up, building up. I don't know what to do with it. Paul comes along, locked up in chains. At the end of his life, he's been through hell and back, and he says, don't be anxious. Now, I would be really irritated if he stopped there. Hey, Paul, here's what I'm going through. Don't be anxious. (laughs) See you when I see you. Thank God Paul didn't stop there. Because a diagnosis without a prescription leaves you hopeless. Did you hear that? If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you got this. And you go, okay. Well, go go out and see my accountant. They'll bill you no, 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 I came here for a prescription I came here so you can help me get better I, I'm just going to tell you what's wrong so thank God that Paul didn't say don't be anxious, that's your problem and then just walk out of the room that's what I do with my kids you're doing that wrong, stop it and you just walk out yeah, told them and the kids are like, well, I don't know, what, what am I supposed to do right I don't know either no, you're not supposed to do that. How many people do we deal with like that in our lives? I don't know what you should do, but you shouldn't do that. God never leaves us like that. So Paul says don't be anxious, but then he gives a prescription to get anxiety, anxiety out of our lives. Aren't you thankful that he doesn't just leave you? Don't do that. No, he says don't do that. Do this. And he always gives you something to do. He always gives you someone to follow. He always gives you the way out. When you're tempted, you're not tempted by anything God himself and through Jesus wasn't tempted by. But it says in every temptation, he gives you a way of escape. Amen? So what happens is when anxiety comes, he doesn't say it won't come. He says, don't do it. So here's the prescription. Are you ready? You taking notes? You're like, I remember everything. Do not be anxious about anything. Every situation, that's the next step. So in every situation, so that means every situation. How many situations? Every. Just checking. So do they have to be big or little? Doesn't matter. So there's people in this room that are dealing with things right now that are causing you anxiety. You think you're so small that you shouldn't go to God over them. Stop it. There's some of you that your problem is so big that you don't think God can do anything about it. So you say, stop it. Because Paul says, help me read that. It's far away. Every. So that means... If your marriage is difficult, if you've lost a job, if you have an illness, if you have crazy kids like all of us do, if you have deadlines, if you have a difficult boss, car problems, difficult relationships, etc., 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 just add the one you have, add it on, 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 because he says in every, every situation. If Paul says every situation, why do we qualify it before we go to God? Nah, I'm not going to bug him. I'd rather be anxious. No, I'm not going to bug him with that. I'd rather. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'll make this personal. I have a tooth over here that hurts. I ain't going to the dentist. Not until it hurts really bad. Anybody else in the house like that? Walked around with an abscess wisdom tooth. It took six seconds to get that thing out. And I was like, nah. Why? Because I just got used to it hurting. That's not that big a deal. I don't, have to, I don't complain about it. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. But when it woke me up in the middle of the night, listen, church. Paul doesn't say you have to wait until it's wrecking your life. He says every circumstance. So the benefit that we have is in every situation. So before it becomes abscess, deal with it. So when it's the little, I'm preaching to myself on this service because this this thing hurts every now and then. So when it just hurts a little bit, he says every time, take it to God. Every circuit, don't, don't wait until it turns into a monster. Don't wait until you can't control. Every situation, he says. If God himself has numbered the hairs on your head, do you think there's anything insignificant you could bring him? No, he says, bring it. Every situation. So stop talking yourself out of bringing it to God. And here's the, here's the problem. Every situation can have unknowns. And anxiety is born in the unknown. Anxiety is born in the unknown. Look at a definition of anxiety. This is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Anxiety is a bit different in fear in this way. I can be fearful of what I know. Anxiety comes because I don't know. I can be fearful because I'm getting ready to get in a fight with some. Why do I always talk about fighting? When I'm getting into a fight with somebody way bigger than me, I know how it's going to turn out. That's fear. Anxiety is when I don't even know I'm getting ready to get into a fight. I'm just like, ah. Oh. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to have my job tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to be married tomorrow. I don't know if my kids are going to listen. I don't know if there's going to be enough money. I don't know. And so when I don't know, it causes me to be anxious. Paul says in every circumstance, in every situation, all right, whatever you're anxious about right now, no matter how big or small, no matter how trivial you may think it is, no matter if somebody else says you shouldn't be anxious about that, You know what I stop doing? I stop, when it comes to things that I take before God, I don't need your opinion. I don't need your opinion about it. Because if it's causing an issue in my life, then God already knows it. He didn't need your input to tell me to go to him. So if I go to him and you tell me, hey man, that's not that big a deal, I'm gonna say, you keep you to you because I'm going to him with this. Because I don't want this to turn into big and make, make me look like you. Don't say that at Thanksgiving. Your relatives will get weird on you real quick. So he says, in every situation, pray and ask. I'm so thankful that he said that. Every situation has opportunity to communicate and petition God. You're not bothering him. You're not getting on his nerves. You haven't asked too much. You haven't, you haven't came to him too often. You haven't wore out your welcome. You haven't done anything remotely close. If he sent Jesus to the cross to save you from your sins and bankrupted heaven to do it, then he wants you to come to him every second of every day with everything that you've got. He paved the way for you to be able to do that straight to him. You didn't have to come to a priest anymore or a pastor or some guy standing on the corner saying he can forgive you of your sins. He said, come straight to me now with everything. Don't wait. Everything. Situation, pray and ask. Pray and ask. Pray and ask. What are you doing? I'm praying and asking. I'm praying and asking. I'm gonna pray and ask. First John chapter five fourteen says this. This is the confidence that we have. When we need some confidence, people. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Anything according to His will hears here. Let's do a little cyclical thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Be gentle. To everyone. What did we say, gentlemen? Means yield your will. First John says, if you come to God according to... So watch this. Watch this. If you are like me, you want what you want when you want it. I experienced this about 10 minutes ago. My wife and I have the same mugs. Mine has hot tea in it. Hers has disgusting drink from the pit of Satan. It's called coffee. (laughs) I like mine extremely sweet. You can drink yours with no sugar, correct? I have tried for 23 years to adjust my taste buds to coffee, and my taste buds still say, that's the devil, that's the devil, that's the devil. So I walk over. I think mine looks just like hers. Hers is sitting up on the thing, and I pick it up, and I take a big swig of it, and I thought, in the name of Jesus... (laughs) I want what I want. And so I reached down on the chair, got mine real quick, and I washed the devil out with some nice hot tea. (laughs) Is it possible that some of our anxiousness comes from what we want and not what God wants? So the confidence I have is not that I'm going to get what I want, but that God's will will be done in my life. Because when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray like this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then when he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was arrested, he said, Father, if it's possible, could you please let this cup pass from me? But then he said, not my will, but yours be done. So at some times in our life, anxiety is caused because we're in a wrestling match with God. And we're saying, no, 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 no. I want what I want. And he says, come on, man, be gentle. I'm for you. I'm with you. I've got a plan in front of you. I know the beginning from the end. I have never set out to harm you, but I've set out to make you, bring you glory for my name. I've set out to use you for my, for my, for my glory. And so, so in every circumstance, bring it to me with prayer and petition. And 1 John says, and if we can, we can have confidence because we are going to him with his will. So every situation pray and ask don't be bashful pray and ask don't be bashful pray and ask don't be bashful don't don't say oh, i'm not sure you pray and ask pray and ask lose your neighbors say you better start asking the prescription is to pray and ask in every circumstance then he says with thanksgiving psalm 104 says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name and what we realize is what Paul's writing here mimics the, old, the, the psalm in the Old Testament. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts, courts with praise. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always and that when you bring your petition for him, to him, give thanks. Why is that so important? Because it enters you into the presence of God. So in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, With thanksgiving, you say, well, I don't have much to be thankful for right now. I know what that feels like. What you have to do is you have to dig up something to be thankful for. Because how does this sound? God, you told me to come to you, but I don't know why I'm doing it. Because my life just keeps getting worse. And every time I come to you, and I don't know. If one of my kids came to me and said, I don't think you're that great of a parent, but I'd like you to pay my car off. (laughs) Whatever you want. Whatever you want. I'm just here to serve you. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. You sport brat little kid. (laughs) But if my kid came to me and said, Dad, you have been faithful to me my whole life. Even when I didn't know what was going on, you protected me. You were there for me. You never left me. You never abandoned me. You gave me hope when I had no hope. And dad, I think you're the best dad in the world. Could you pay off? I'm like, tell me where to write the check. I'm not saying you can manipulate God with thanksgiving, but what thanksgiving does is manipulate you. Because you have to get in the mindset that God has not abandoned you. He has not set out to hurt you. And when you look back, you realize that he has been faithful the whole time. So when it says, bring your petition to God with thanksgiving, you go, hey, look, I'm asking you because I already know. I'm asking you because I already know that you have been faithful. I already know you are being faithful. So I'm saying, in this request, I'm already thanking you because I already know what you've done, because I've already seen your promises, because I've already seen your faithfulness, now I have this confidence that I can come to you with thanksgiving. Every situation, present your request to God, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So thanksgiving is a qualifier. You can't come mumbling and groaning and complaining about God not doing his job. you got to come with a... With a belly full of God, you are everything I need. And I'm trusting you with this. The awesome thing is this. The results are better than you think. So watch what happens. He gives you the diagnosis. Don't be anxious. I know the problem here. I know the problem here. You're you're, you're being persecuted. You've got some false teachers in your midst. And you're fighting amongst yourselves. I I know... It's building anxiety in your life. Don't be anxious. That's the diagnosis. Then he says, here's a prescription. In every situation, with prayer and petition, bring your request to God with thanksgiving. And then let me show you what getting better looks like. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind your heart and mind, the peace. There's only, there's a problem with that though. There's a problem with that. I like peace. First of all, I think the worship team's gonna come up. I've got got an old friend that's gonna come up and help me this morning, Uh, Terry, if you wanna go ahead and come up with the worship team. There's a problem with this scripture that I don't like. Can I be honest with you? I wish wish God would have wrote it different. I wish the result of me bringing all this to God with thanksgiving was that he would change my circumstance. (sighs) The problem is, in these three or four verses, I don't see anywhere where he changes my circumstance. I wish I could stand up here and tell you it's going to all get better. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that if you come to church, my dad used to say, he's holding his mouth right. I don't even know what that means. It's like a lucky horseshoe or something. It must have been holding your mouth right. like. So I wish I could stand up here and say, if you bring your prayers and petitions to God, he will fix it every time. He will reach down in his ability. I mean, we're talking about the God that, that spoke in light into existence and breathed life in the man. The same God, he, he will reach down every time and pull you out of your circumstance or he'll make your boss... Disappear, <laughs> or he'll make your wife like everything that you do which I don't know about you that might get annoying after a while it doesn't say that if it did it would make my job a lot easier and this church would be way fuller than it's ever been hey go to church pray to God be thankful and boom you get everything you want If You read the same thing I read. It didn't mention that at all. So this is less about circumstances changing and more about something happening to us. Because if you look, Paul never got out. If if you look, the church was persecuted even more. If you look around the world, the church has never stopped being persecuted. There's still conflict in the church. There's still false teachers. None of the things that the Philippian church were experiencing have stopped. And guess what? If you live long enough to see your kids grow up, they're going to have marriage problems. It's part of putting a man and woman together. It just happens. You don't have to say amen, man. I understand the circumstance you're in. You You don't have to agree with me at all. As long as there's people on the earth, these problems are going to keep arising, keep arising, keep arising. So the, pres- so the result of the prescription is that he's not yanking you out of the situation. The result is this. So, my buddy Terry, we've known each other since high school. He hit his growth spurt a lot longer than I did ever woke up in the morning? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a little guy. I'm not very tall, but I'm like, I weigh when my shoes, I probably weigh 215 right now. (laughs) Mess with me. I've lifted weights. I know what the deal is. But then when I put myself beside him, it's a different story. So here's the image I got. All these people are evil. Anxiety because of all these circumstances. My kids won't come to Christ. My boss is a jerk. My relationships aren't working out. The guy with the mustache. <laughs> I saw that this morning, I couldn't get over it. Here's the issue He doesn't promise any of those things will leave. Listen, if if your peace rests on all this ending, you may never experience peace. If your peace is contingent on all these things dissolving, on all these things going away, and you getting your way, it may never come. But here's what he promises. He will guard my heart and mind. He will guard my heart and mind. So here's what I realized. Peace does not come by removing the enemy. Sometimes peace comes from a show of force. Oh, you passive people in here like, I wish they'd just leave. No, 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 no. Sometimes you have to stand up and say, in the name of Jesus. I am not. Come on. Come on, listen. Listen, we have been asking the wrong question. We have been asking God to remove everything instead of empowering us to deal with it. Amen. And what the world sees is a church who is, who is drawing back like the army in front, of, in front of Goliath. Drawing back, scared to death, scared to death. Until a little short dude comes up. They called him Ruddy. He comes up and he says, who's talking like this? Because the, way, the only way we're going to have peace in this place is for us to show a sign of force. So somebody step out of my way. And it wasn't because David was big. Because he had a guard. And the Bible says that if you will present your request to God with thanksgiving, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. And here's how this works. Your mind eventually controls your emotions. So what happens is your emotions run wild because your thoughts run wild. And eventually your emotions will take over your thoughts and it works inversely. So here's what happens. The Bible says, renew your mind by the watering of the word. So what happens? I'm going to read the word. I know that God is forming me, and with me. I know, he's, I, know he's, I know he's got a plan to prosper. I know all these things now. So I'm dealing with the heart thing. But Paul says, if you will do this, he will guard both of them. He will guard both of them. So watch this. No circumstance has changed. No circumstances changed, but guess what? People are getting out of my way now. No circumstances changed. No circumstances changed. No circumstances changed. The only thing different is he set a guard in front of me. And now, now the guard in front of me handles handles the situation. They might want to fight me, but they ain't going to fight him. They ain't going to fight him. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to fight. I'm asking you to get a guard. I'm asking you this morning to take your request to God with thanksgiving and let him stick the biggest dude in front of you that the world has ever seen. And then when you walk through the day, the next day you go, that's crazy. It's not, it's not affecting me the same way it did the day before because there's a guard that went in front of me and spooked the life out of everybody. Here's what I want to let you know. Nobody's going to understand it because he told you peace that passes all understanding. Why are you okay today and you weren't yesterday? I don't know. Man, God put a guard in front of me. God put a guard in front of me. It protected my heart and mind. It protected me. And so when I started thinking about this, I thought, Terry is the biggest dude I know. (laughs) And me by myself, even at 215 pounds, I can get anxious about things. But if that guy was in front of me, I'd be like, yo. (laughs) Do something, do something, do something. Because can I tell you this? I'm gonna let you know this. I didn't let the first service know it because God just doesn't want you to be anxious. He wants you to be active. And we have been paralyzed in our generation from things that are we don't know about. When the God of all creation says He knows the beginning from the end, and so what happens is not just getting rid of anxiety; it's getting on the offense. And so now, with Terry standing in front of me, I don't have to be fearful anymore. I can say, "Oh, every let's fight now." I can be on offense now because there's a guard in front of me. Amen. Come on, give it up. The worship team's gonna do their thing. Stand to your feet. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with this. My friend in, lives in Mombasa, Kenya. And uh, in, in most other countries, people put walls around their houses for protection. We were just in Spain. Everybody in Spain had a wall around their house. We live in this free society that's generally peaceful. We don't, I've had friends come to my house and say, Where's your wall? that's expensive I'm not putting a wall up they don't they don't understand the concept of living like we do so my friend has a wall around his compound and I've seen pictures of him he's got two South African Mastiffs in that compound I think they're about 125-130 pounds a piece and he um, and they like his family and that's it He says, if we have visitors come over, we got to lock them up. They're giant dogs. They are bred for one thing, protection. So here's what he told me. He said, you know what, every now and then, they they got the run of the compound. He said, every now and then, I put them on a leash, and I walk them outside to put everyone on notice. You may get over the gate, but you won't get back over the gate. He said, I want to make sure everybody knows that there's guards at the house. I want to make sure everybody knows. He said, so I take him out and walk them down the street, both of them, slobbering, growling. He said, I just want everybody to know. So I think it's time we change. I'm I'm not saying this is an easy thing. I'm not saying just say a couple prayers this afternoon. I'm saying, dig in every circumstance of your life. And go, you know what, Lord? I thank you. And I'm going to offer this to you. And I need you to set a guard in front of me because this and this isn't working well right now. I need you to set a guard in front of me that protects my thoughts and protects my feelings because I'm tired of being on defense, tired of being on defense army of Israel was tired of being on defense with Goliath but when a little guy showed up the spirit of God in him he wasn't anxious and he was on offense and so the beauty of the whole scenario is when he puts a guard in front of us, our thoughts can be spent on something else our emotions can be spent on something else when he sets a guard in front of me, I don't have to worry about what I don't know when he sets a guard in front of me, I don't have to be anxious about what's in front of me. Now I can use my thoughts and my emotions for something that benefits the kingdom, for something that benefits the people around me. Now I can go on offense because I'm not playing defense anymore. And this one of the most guaranteed ways to peace is a show of strength. And God wants to do that in your life this morning. So whatever it is, I don't care how small it is or how big it is, whatever it is, he says, bring it to him today. Bring it to him right now. Can we do that all across the building? You close your eyes. You can lift your hands if you want to. Let's bring some stuff to him. Let's thank him for his goodness and bring it to him. And let's anticipate him putting that guard in front of us. Let's anticipate him doing something in our lives. Let's anticipate him giving us peace that passes all understanding. Father, we thank you this morning. We present our requests to you with Thanksgiving, Lord, and we're looking for the guard. You're going to set in front of us, protect our thoughts, protect our heart. And God, we pray that we, anxiety would flee, Lord, and we'd be on offense, Lord. We'd be on offense for your glory, for your kingdom. And we thank you for it this morning. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, could you give it praise and honor this morning is good. Amen. Hey listen, why don't you encourage somebody as you leave, you can be generous and we'll see you back here next week.